0: What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success in and out Podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares and set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that will help you knock down some of the prisons you built up in your own mind. Folks, today I have Mr. Ben Robinson with me. Ben, welcome. Welcome in.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Brent.
0: So, yeah, Ben and I were just catching up a little bit. Um, one of the things I do want to get into that we'll get into as we get going here, but... Ben was just telling me as he was getting ready to get out of Leavenworth and now I remember this because I kind of remember it was one of those things that goes through the camp like uh what, hey, did you year what happened did you hear what happened did you hear what did you hear what happened uh but you almost got shipped out, almost lost your year in RDAP, and you spent three months in the hole man additional months yeah man. And you, yeah. I mean, at this time you had had a ten-year minimum sentence, so you were thinking, "Man, I'm going home. I'm getting out of here. This is go- this is all good." You're working at oh yeah,
1: most definitely. <laughs> You're working at, at Fort Leavenworth
0: golf course. I mean, oh come on.
1: Yeah, it was at the end of the tunnel, and then, like I say, they came and picked me up out there, and I was like, "Yo, what?" I actually, honestly, thought like something caught up with me from before my case, like yeah. before everything, but once they took me to the big house and I looked around, I was like, y'all got the wrong guy.
0: Man. Well, Ben, take me back a little bit to uh, life growing up as a kid. What was going on? What was your family like, siblings, your world?
1: Growing up as a kid, you know, it wasn't peachy. You know, I I didn't have a silver spoon. It wasn't rough either. You know, I had a a semi-stable household, you know. Mom worked, you know what I'm saying? My stepdad was around. My other dad was still living in St. Louis. At this time, we were living in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you know, everything was cool. I went to a good school. I went to a school called Satchel Page Academy. Me and my brothers out there, you know what I'm saying? It was a great school. That's where we got into sports and track and field and swimming on the swim teams and things of that nature. But, you know, that was childhood, you know, and then we moved back to um, St. Louis when I was around eight. Got into peewee football, you know, and rolled that out into high school to where I started doing other things.
0: Brothers and sisters?
1: Yeah, I got two brothers, two sisters.
0: Where do you fit into that mix?
1: <laughs> a baby
0: boy. Oh, the baby of the family. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Well, I got three daughters. Yep. We've got a baby in our family. <laughs> so so sports, tell me a little bit about that, Ben. What What did you like? What was, you, what was your football. sport? What would you like them all? Football
1: was my favorite. Football? Yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I'm a sports person, but football is what I spent a lot of time on. It was either that or, like, in middle school I did a lot of um, playing sports, playing indoor soccer and stuff like that. But earlier when I was about 9, 10, you know, 8 in that area when we stayed in Kansas City, I was heavy on gymnastics and the swimming. Wow. So, like, competing at, you know what I'm saying, national competes, that was – in Kansas City and stuff like that and then swimming on a swim team with Olympic-sized pools as a kid. You know, it was amazing. You know what I'm saying? Definitely at that school that we had. It was great.
0: I bet the gymnastic thing helped you out with playing football. Just being the agil- agility of... Uh, what you pl- What was your position you liked to play?
1: Um, football, I played... Uh, I started out playing tight end and moved to wide receiver and uh, cornerback. All right. So, yeah.
0: Played both sides of the ball. Yeah.
1: Yeah, once I got up to, um, what was it, my summer camp before high school, I was going to Lindbergh camp, and that's when Coach decided he wanted to run me both ways, but I ended up transferring. Yeah. And I went to, um, yeah, JC, went to Justin City, and went to Simon um, School up there. And same thing, once Coach got to see my, my abilities and stuff, they started me both ways up there, too. All
0: right. Well, I always think that, that, uh, Playing sports kind of helps you adapt in life. You know, you you get on a team, you have to figure out things. If you're good, you know you're accepted. If you if you aren't that good, you know you got to work hard to get into the groove of things. I think you know overall, mm-hmm. I think sports is a real trainer for life events because there's a lot that goes on with sports. You got to figure it out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can I can relate to that. Even when I went up to Simon. Like I said, I'm I'm used to playing wide receiver and cornerback, and coach saw the agility and the speed and tried me out at running back, and it was I just couldn't get with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't get with it from grabbing the ball from behind the snap like that. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to doing it as a receiver, and it was just like I'm like nah. It was one practice, I was one and done. I'm like no, coach, keep <laughs> Can't me do that. at
0: wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, <I'm good. laughs> those are two different yeah. positions for sure. Uh, yeah, for, sure. for sure. Okay. So you, so you get, um, you kind of move around a little bit, um, and you get out of high school. So what, uh, what'd you walk into after high school?
1: So, um, you know, I actually got out of high school, you know, it was a little bit of my own doing cause I actually dropped out. You know, I was out at Lindbergh district for a while, got into some trouble out there and got, had to come back down to the city and go to Roosevelt actually and seeing the difference in the curriculum from county to city kind of geared me towards like ah now I'm not going to do this again I'm restudying stuff I did in sixth grade and I'm freshman out here I'm like nah so I actually dropped out dropped out for a year you know typical stuff hanging out on the block with friends you know chasing women and stuff like that trying to make ends meet until just one day, man, one of my friends was like, hey, man, there's nothing going on out here until like 2.33 o'clock, man. We might as well just go get back in school, man. <laughs> so we both went and re-enrolled ourselves in school at Roosevelt. And, you know, a year later, I went out here graduated from high school, you know, with my diploma. And then I thought I was going to take a break, but I didn't. I um, went and enrolled in ICT Tech like six months after high school and went out there and got my associate's degree in computer network.
0: Okay. So that is interesting. (laughs) You dropped out, figured out there's not much going on out here. I'm going to go back and re-enroll.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, it was, you know, even like out there just peddling, like, you know what I'm saying, selling drugs and stuff like that and still trying to chase women. There was nothing going on until two, three o'clock. So it was like no money coming through, no female So me and we was like, "Hey man, we might just go and go back to school, man, we ain't got number one year left anyway." Right. Let's just go right. And we went and did it. Actually, man, me and my friend, we went and did it together. So yeah, both graduated together. So you
0: went <laughs> in, and you said you went to uh, what? What school did you go to to get the um, tech training? compete Tech. Yeah. So how what was that a two year four year?
1: I did a two year. Did, two? got my associate's. Okay,
0: yeah. got your associate degree.
1: Should have went on and did the bachelor's, but I was still caught up in the streets, so I got done with the associate. Well, ex- like, explain
0: oh. ex- explain a little bit that to me, Ben, because you're you're kind of straddling the fence in both worlds. There, you know, you're you're kind of in this environment where you're bettering yourself with your education and you're doing some things and learning some new stuff and you're doing the street life. Did it feel weird?
1: It, I, I'm going to say, yeah, it felt weird because, you know, I was the only one, hey, hey man, I'll be back. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, man, I got to go to night class. I'll be back. I'll see y'all later. You know? So it was definitely weird in that aspect. But as far as like on the straddling the fence, I mean, the household I grew up in, it was, it was it was not the norm, but you know what I mean. I understood what was going on in, in certain areas of my household. So like going to school and like playing in the streets was semi normal to me because I have been doing it since high school. Actually, like, you
0: know so. did Did you feel like that you were getting like they didn't think it was cool that you were leaving and going to night school? Like maybe you're wasting time or not really? Uh
1: uh-uh, uh uh uh. Everybody in the area supporting me going to school like i used to come up to the neighborhood you know it may be some i may have to do a presentation at school that day so i got on a button up i got slacks on but i'm out in the neighborhood with everybody still doing my thing and then like i say hey i'll catch y'all later i gotta go to school and i'll shoot off and go to Tech. yeah and after class i'll go back yeah
0: wow so your your business life what'd you roll into Then
1: yeah, then it was it was it was marijuana and cocaine. Yeah,
0: it was marijuana it, and cocaine. What, and just for the guys that are, or the people, the girls, guys listening. So when you rolled into that, did you have a group of people that you kind of did all this with, or were, were you? Was it a big group? Were you on your own? Were you were you using two? I mean, how did it all work?
1: Um, When I first got into it, it was a a few of us, you know, a few good friends that I've been staying across the street from for a while. You know, we became good friends and stuff like that. So we kind of like, they say jumping off the porch. So we kind of like did that together, you know, and went out into the market and saw what we can get. And we did it, saw the benefit, and we just went back, as they're saying, is flipping the money and just returned it and, and got more and just went back out. And it just started from there.
0: I always think it's interesting, though, because, you know, when you're when you're building a business like that, because it is it's it's a business, it's just an illegal business. But I always think it's so interesting to see because there's there's so many facets of it that are exactly like going and starting a new business. You, you've got to get the product. You've got to figure out distribution. You've got to figure out the incentives. you got to build uh, clientele. And you've got all those things that are exactly what a business regular business has to do to be an entrepreneur to build your business. I always thought being at Leavenworth, there was a lot of uh, familiarity talking to guys, a lot of familiarity to the guys I would talk to about my business and their business. It was just a different business.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely it was different. and, And, you know, then when I first got into it, I really wasn't looking at it, you know, as a business standpoint, it was just, survival mode definitely mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and wanting to be able to get out there and do things on my own once I climbed the ladder you know a couple years later I started looking at it as a business because I was protecting myself I was you know raising myself semi and I was raising a little girl at that as well so I I looked at it different you know I didn't just look at it like oh, I was just out there just you know what saying, selling all this stuff just to be doing it. I had a purpose behind it, you know. I had my own house. My daughter was well taken care of and things like that. I also supported a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was definitely, once the ladder was climbed, it was definitely a business aspect
0: of it. Right. Yeah. So when did things turn when you you started feeling like uh, something was coming down?
1: I was at ITT Tech. Yeah, You know, so that was kind of like I had built a lifestyle to where, you know, getting a regular nine to five was not going to cut it. So I was trying to supplement the income, and that was one of the best ways that I was trying to do it. So I was trying to get an IT job, and I kind of, you know, still stuck in my ways, and I kind of squandered that because I think it was at Boeing. Yeah, I could have got a job at Boeing, fresh out of ITT Tech. um,
0: Which would have been an awesome job.
1: Oh, man, <laughs> I'm kicking myself in the butt for it. So they tell us the um, after the interview, you know, it was like a group thing, but it was only like a few of us there from ITT Tech, and it was like seven or eight people from other colleges. So they were like, hey, you guys after this, go down the street do your UA. And I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I smoke weed every day. So I'm like, man, I'm going to burn this. So I thought I was going to have like a week gap to, like, go do that UA, and I actually didn't, so when I called my my rep back, like, hey, I'm going to go down the street and do my UA, is everything still good? They're like, oh, no, we made our decision already, and we picked our candidate." and that, like, it crushed me a little bit, for yeah. real, for real, because I really wanted to, it was going to supplement what I've been trying to do, and I could have got out the game, and been done with it, because starting pay was great, everything was yeah. great, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of when it started getting, like, Going down here, you know, that was one of the first stints. And then I had another stint coming out of my house one day. And I almost got caught up, jammed up by some police officers who were just trying to see who car it was on the corner. And at that particular time, like, I stayed like two houses from the corner, but there was a tree on the corner. and no tree in front of my house, so I used to park my car in front of the tree to keep the safe because it was a black car. Come out the house one day, I'm loaded, me and my friends, and see the cops at the corner, and I'm like, I know they're really not paying attention to us, so we're going to just go to the car, man. What y'all want to do? Y'all want to go through the alley or go to the car? They're like, man, let's just go to the car. I'm like, all right. We get to the car, and that's when the police, they swung right on us. And I'm like, oh, man, I was dirty. Let me just say that I was dirty.
0: (laughs) How old would you have been, Ben, when that happened?
1: I was twenty twenty one.
0: Wow. You were young. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And how old 20, would your daughter 21. have been? My daughter at that time, she was like 18 months.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So is that when it so, all, is that when it all kind of spiraled in?
1: Yeah, that was, it was, it was, you know, it was like the domino effect. It was a few situations that I saw. And then, you know, I got guinea pig, you know, the, you know how that is. So just when I actually got hit and got jammed up with the time it's when a guy guinea me and um, told the police the detective that I was the one that he was getting it from when it was actually the other way around. So when I left him, that's when they jumped down on me. And that's when it that's when it went down. Yeah.
0: So did you have representation like what what was the what was the process like what 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 happened? So um
1: the initial part of it, like when it first happened it was state. Yeah. So like it was oh, so yeah, it was state. So um, I really wasn't sweating it then. Find it right out and everything, you know, like within 24 hours. And then um like, I was in a rental car when I got jammed up, so, like, I was moving around so I had to keep a bag with me. And in my bag, it used to be, like, personal stuff, mail and clone, like, so I wouldn't have to be running in and out every other house and stuff like that. So it was a personal bag that they kept of mine. So after I bonded out, I kept trying to call and get this bag back, and they were like, oh, no, if you want your bag, you need to come over here and give us some information. So I was like, man, look, I ain't got time to be dealing with y'all now, so. My girl was like, "Ah, oh, go to Eternal Furs, Get Eternal Furs, I'm going to get your property back. I'm like, all right. So I go downtown, Eternal Furs, get on it. Now they call me back down there to get my bag. Go back down there to get my bag. Two detectives walk in behind me and jam me up. Oh, you got a federal indictment. I was like, man, get out of my face, You lying. Like, I've been talking to lawyers, running my name all week. And they jammed me up downtown at a Central right there. And uh, my lady was there. She saw it, everything. She was hooping and hollering. And they put me in the back of the car, drove me across the street and parked. And I'm like, hey, hey, what are y'all parking for? They were like, oh, give us just a second. We gave you a chance. I'm like, man, do what y'all gonna do. So I ended up having my cell phone on me. So I called my mom while I was in the back in the handcuffs. I was like, hey, come downtown. They jamming me up and they turned around, took the cell phone, punched me <laughs> So long story short, they made three phone calls. So now I'm facing, we're about to make a left. So we're making a left to Justice Center on the left side and the Federal Building on the right side. I'm praying you make that left. And they went past and made the right. And I was like, yo, what are y'all doing? They was like, man, we gave you a chance. And I was like, y'all, it's this, this. And that was, what was it? March, yeah, March of 2008. Was the last time I saw the street. thing was until I got released.
0: So, did they um, when that happened? And you went basically. You're in the system. Now you're in a federal charge. Uh, How did they present? Because I I think if I understand right, it doesn't really matter. The the minimum that you get on that is a ten year sentence, right? Yeah. So. And did you have an attorney through this thing that was appointed to you, or did you get an attorney from the outside, or how did you feel all that?
1: First, at first, I had one appointed. Mm-hmm. I really was just, just riding it out, seeing what was, what was going to happen. I was really trying to get the bond. And the guy kind of like, he messed up one day, and um, I had the court date. You know, my family's highly involved, so I had told him like, man, anytime I got court, man, you let them know so they can come down here. And I get all the way downtown, and I ain't see nobody, and I was like, oh no, nah, he's tripping. So I get back to Lincoln County, and I call my mind like, hey, y'all, why weren't y'all court? They was like, we know. So I was like, oh, we gotta get rid of him. It's time to go and hire somebody, you know, because he, he 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 ain't crossing his T's and dotting his eyes properly like how we want him to. So. One of my cellies knew a good guy, so I had just hired him, a guy named John Lynch.
0: And I think it went from there. So you're, uh, your family supporting you. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they're taking care of uh, your daughter as all this is mm-hmm. going on. Um, how long are you in the county?
1: I was in the county from March of 2008. No, to November of 2008. That's when I got shipped to um, Oklahoma in November.
0: Wow, it's a long time in county. Yeah, I was I was I in county yeah. for six days and felt like six years. I th- I mean county is the the worst, the worst. I think. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, it was worse. I was I took it different because where I was out there in Lincoln, I was around a lot of state dudes and they were stressing. So I was. It really. It, I was at ease for real you know what I'm saying once I once I didn't get the bond it was like to the situation yeah,
0: you know you started adapting so to what you had I, yeah so they so basically you get your uh, the attorney comes to you and said here's the deal what was what was the deal he said to you
1: the first deal he came with was 10 years and how it blew up with him was like no fucking way I said man my daughter will be 12 man no fucking way
2: uh-huh.
1: so I'm like hey Go back down there and tell them right now, I'll sign for seven. Like, this is before any other court hearings or anything went on. I told them out the gate, man, I'll sign for seven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we went down, talked to the prosecutor, and they come back out there and they was like, man, they can't, they not not budge? And they're trying to give you the mandatory minimum of 120 months and this, 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 and there. And I was like, man, fuck them, man. We're going to trial. Because the way they stopped me was illegally anyway. You know what I'm saying? They, once I read the police report, they, Cash this shit up. So I was like, yeah, I'm trying to go to trial. Mm-hmm. Really wasn't tripping off the federal the 95% conviction rate or none of I didn't know anything about it at that time. So I was like, fuck I'm going to trial.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So then what
1: happened? <clears throat> that, you know, going through the preliminary things, you know, I, I missed my you know, bond. Oh, I didn't get the bond, you know. And then at the, at the when I, when I, um, my auntie was going to put up her house for me, so I was going to be able to get the bond. But at the same time, I had the state charge still pending. I was still on state uh, probation. So I had that warrant. So the lawyer was like, hey, if you do that, you might risk that house because state might be there and just pick you up. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I was just like, fuck it, man, you know, just fuck it. And then, you know, steady going to court hearings, he steady digging into into his side of the investigation. And they kept, they were saying something about a co defendant. I'm like, co defendant, how? I'm like, shouldn't be no co-defendant like there was somebody at the scene that I released like she ain't had nothing to do with it that's all mine so I shouldn't have a co-defendant and he never even like I don't even know if he found out who the guy was or whatever so lawyer called me down to court one day and I was like yo what's going on he was like look this what it is like tomorrow's trial if he's gonna go I'm like shit let's roll you know and then he said it again. He was like, You know, if you go to trial, you don't have a co-defendant. I looked at him I was like, What do you fucking mean? A co-defendant? I had by myself. I owned up to everything that was there. And he looked at me like, Yeah, you don't have a co-defendant. So it's going to show up to court tomorrow. And I looked at him in the eye after he said that again. I was like, Man, a man, fuck lawyer the client. What do you think I should do? He said, Don't go to trial.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, Send me back to Lincoln County. And I. We'll plead out on the 10 when y'all come on, they come up. That's how it went.
0: So then you did you get immediately shipped to Oklahoma? Is that what happened? The transfer? No, after
1: uh -uh, no after I actually went down and pleaded for the one twenty, I got shipped from Lincoln to Hannibal. Okay. Then I stayed in Hannibal for like three months. And then that's when I went to Oklahoma.
0: So, Oklahoma is a trip. So, did you – how long were you in Oklahoma?
1: Got stuck in Oklahoma through the holiday system. And I was in Oklahoma from the first week before Thanksgiving until the first week before uh, Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah, I got stuck. Um, It was the holiday thing. The weather was trippaged then. And then there was a few spots out on west, on the east coast where I was going that went up and got locked down. So they, like, just cycled us all back to the bottom of the list. It was – my whole unit was, like – I'm going to say, like 70% of the unit that was there with me in Oklahoma was there for three months. We all came in together and almost almost left out together.
0: Wow. Wow, Ben. What was your feeling about Oklahoma?
1: I mean, you know, for a guy like, you know, my statue, you know, first time being in the pen, bro, it was just definitely an eye opener, you know, a bit tense and a bit scared, but, you know, it's just, again, you got to adapt, you know. So it was just adapting to my situation and my surroundings once again. That's all it was. That's kind of really what, like, got me through everything for real, just adapting.
0: Yeah, figuring it out.
1: Yeah. Figuring it out here.
0: So, where do you end up after Oklahoma?
1: <laughs> USP leave.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, another eye opener because I was supposed to have been going to Greensville. Mm-hmm. So, I get to Oklahoma and I get through processing and stuff, and they like, yeah, her inmate number. And I'm like, all right, they like you going to USP leave. I'm like, nah. this is my name, this is my number. He looked at the paper again. He was like, yeah, USP Lee. And I was like, holy shit. So when I get back to the pod, I, a lot of the old guys are like, yo, youngster, where are you going? I'm like, man, they're sending me the USP Lee. They're like, man, what the hell you do? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> so, but, you know, get all the way out there. Stuck in Tell the everybody the where like, that is. In <laughs> what is that Virginia? What is that? I want to say is that Lee County, Virginia.
0: I think yeah. so yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Out there where Wrong Turn is, you nowhere. Know <laughs> you ever saw that movie, yeah. You no, know, that's in West Virginia. We drove through Virginia, and there was some parts out there that looked at exactly mm-hmm. like the movie Wrong Turn. Yeah, definitely a, a hole blown in the mountain, like literally, like they blew a hole in the mountain and put U.S.P. leader. So, wow,
0: yeah. What's your thoughts getting there? Getting there? Yeah, what's your thoughts? On, and once you get to where you're going, you've been all around kind of in county, you've been in uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. And now you're finally at the place that they're going to put you, and you're a long ways from home. What's your thoughts?
1: Uh, you know, first thought was just, you know, I'm finally making it to the compound, actually, you know, so it's like, for one, better food, you know, and then you can kind of eat, just kind of call a little bit more. But, you know, I actually kind of had it kind of cool when I got there because one of my older friends, he was actually supposed to be in Memphis, but ended up getting into trouble down there and got shipped to Lee. So, you know, when they do the bus call, everybody want to come in and see who you are and go take you to the people in the area. So I did all of that. So now I'm in the cafeteria in the child hall. And they was like, yeah, D, have you met the new homeboy? And I was, they was like, no, we looked back at each other. And we like, oh, man, that's him. So I just like, we know each other from the street. So we was like, I looked, I'm like, this is crazy. But seeing him there kind of eased my time sure. because I actually knew somebody from the streets.
0: Big know? difference. Even
1: though he, yeah, it was a total difference. He was in another unit, but we saw each other every day and everything.
0: How'd your mom handle this with you being that far away and your daughter being that far away? What?
1: Oh, they were crushed, man. Yeah. That was. They were crushed, you know, and then definitely for me. For once, my, my daughter was just so crushed because she hasn't been a, away from me ever like that. You know, and then she couldn't come to my house. She couldn't come, you know, anything like that. So she was hurt. She was going through a lot. Like, she went down through a downward spiral after I got locked up from what my, and my mom was telling me. I started getting in trouble at daycare and stuff like that, picking on people and stuff like that. Mm. And then, you know, my mom, she's strong, but it crushed her. You know, I'm, I'm the baby of the family. So it, it, that was a crusher from gate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the 120 months, another crusher, and then it gets shipped all the way to Virginia. Like, it was like they kept pouring salt on the open wound, you know?
0: But she, she was strong. 120 months is a lot to gulp down. Because that's just, yeah. Uh, you know, no ever. Th- There's really no way to, you know. I always think when you look at, I got a five year sentence, and you can't look that far ahead. You you got to take it, you know, eat it a day at a time because you, it's too far to look um, yeah. if you try to look ahead. So, how long were you there at in Virginia?
1: I was in Virginia roughly about fourteen months, fifteen months. Yeah, there stayed out of trouble. Yeah. Got my normal transfer. Yeah.
0: And then where'd you transfer to?
1: I transferred, uh, well, I was trying to come. I was trying to go to Greenville again.
0: Yeah, still trying to go and to and Greenville. Yeah.
1: They, <laughs> they, they activated um, Polak. They made the new Polak the medium. They activated that. So they flooded everybody there. So I got sent down to Louisiana.
0: Louisiana.
1: Polak, Louisiana. Yup. And opened up the new medium that was there. They just opened up in 2009.
0: What was that like with the opening up a new prison, a new medium and you being the new inmates going into Was that, is that the good beginning or of it bad? Was, it
1: was, it was okay. I mean, it was,
0: different.
2: I'm going
1: to say it was
0: okay.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it definitely different because the whole compound wasn't open. Like it was still, you know how it is. Like you had those three main buildings, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, Closest two buildings to the child hall was open, which left another, like I think that one building, but those big buildings on those mediums hold like 1500 people, 2000 people. people. So that was like, yeah, one building that just was not open at all. and then My building, which I was the third unit. We was the third unit. Yeah. Filling in on the four unit block.
0: Do you know anybody there?
1: No, I didn't actually know anybody like per se, but I knew people through. We knew mutual contacts. Once we got down to digging like to where you were from and who you knew, we like we knew mutual contact there. So kinda made it easier too because once the names were, you know what I'm saying, dropping everybody like, oh, that's such and such. It was pretty cool.
0: What kind of what kind of days and jobs did you have when you were down in Louisiana?
1: Oh, Louisiana I went uh First, I was just on, on playing sports. Still, I was a workout junkie. I was playing handball all the time, softball, and then I went and um, I went to the career center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to the career center. I went in education, and that's where I worked at. And it was a great, great position. You know, like I was helping guys that was getting released that didn't have resumes and stuff like that, didn't know how to use a bank account and things like that. So, so I was in our teaching classes and stuff.
0: So that probably felt good. To to be giving oh, yeah. back uh and doing something with the guys that were getting ready to get out and, and teaching them stuff that they didn't know.
1: Definitely, definitely felt good. Yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely. Because, you know, it was surprising that you know, it's surprising a lot of people don't know how to use a bank account or don't know how to type up a resume properly to where to get noticed, you know what I'm saying? But that you know it fulfilled a lot of stuff in me because I was actually able to help people get it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah. do you do you find, Ben, that there there's more structure? I've, I mean, I've, I wasn't in a medium, but the guys that have been in mediums always talk about there's a lot more structure, a lot more things to do going on than, than being in a camp because the camp, you know, you get a job. You If you get a good job in a camp, you can kill the day, but otherwise those guys roam around.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot more structure there, definitely, definitely because, more programs, you know, like I, I started a program at, at Pollock. Well, I helped start this one um, called Toastmasters. You know, it's an international um, public speaking club, and we actually got it chartered through Toastmasters International there. So that was just another asset to the pro, to the um, to the um, institution, you know, yeah. what I'm saying that allowed inmates to be able to do other things versus you know the normal stuff of playing basketball and um, mm-hmm. working out all the time. You know, just trying to add other programs there you know and they had um culinary arts there they had um, a construction program yeah there. you know See, they, they didn't got, have any yeah, of that they,
0: when you got when you get down to the the minimum level i, I guess nah, it's because uh-huh. they figure more guys are spending more time there and they're trying to to feed and eat their time keep yeah them, keep them busy so how long yeah, were you, you know, how long were you in louisiana
1: I was in Louisiana, I want to say about 18 months. Okay. Yeah, I was, it was between yeah, 15 and 18 months. Yeah. You were
0: really moving around.
1: Yeah, I, I kept, you know, so I, my profile was low, you know, so I, didn't, I didn't get caught up on anything. So I didn't get hit with when it was time to go to team, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get back closer to yeah. home. So they were pushing it through. I didn't have any issues when it came to me.
0: Did you ever get closer to home than Leavenworth? Except
1: for one time, yeah. No, Leavenworth was the closest.
0: Leavenworth was the closest. So you, yeah. so you went to Louisiana. What was your next stop?
1: Oakdale.
0: Oakdale. Well, I'm curious. Oh. I'm curious, Ben. Did that moving around break up your time when you're t- dealing with that much time? Kind of broke it up into pieces.
1: Yeah. Once once it was time to transfer from Pollock, it broke it up for me. There. 'Cause now the, I was once it was time to transfer from Pollock, I, I was able to see the light then yeah. at the end of that one twenty because it I was three in then, you know, and I was now I was looking like, okay, I want to do the drill program. Yeah. That's when I started breaking all the time down and stuff like that.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So tell me, um, you finally make it to a minimum after all this time. You get to Leavenworth. And how did well, first of all, how did you get to Leavenworth? Did you, did, did you, did you have to go through the Oklahoma transfer center again? Did they, did they put you on a bus and give you a furlough? No. I mean, where, where yeah, how, I, did, how did yeah. Ben Robinson end up at Leavenworth? So
1: I, I ended up once I left Oakdale, I go to, um, Ford city. Yeah. Cause they had our Yeah, but my points were a minimum. So I, talked to my counselor and he was like yeah I'm gonna push it through for you and that's how I get to Leavenworth so I get to Leavenworth definitely an eye-opener because you know I've been behind the fence since Virginia so when we walk out of R&D and they were like yeah go get in the van like, what (laughs) get this (laughs) little minivan let's
0: go for a ride
1: he's gonna drive you down to the I was like it's probably an inmate driving too yeah it was yeah it was one of them I was like Really, it tripped me out. Yeah, it tripped me out, and I was like, okay, now it's time to try to settle back in because it's, it's it's coming to the end, you know. Yeah. Take like, ride right from the big house down to the camp. I was in awe ah, listening to the. I was like, what the hell, and starting to see like where your mind would be from being behind, being locked up for
0: so long. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts? Because you've been behind. The fence and the medium for all that time. So, so they didn't give you a furlough to get to uh, Leavenworth, or did they? No, I went back through Oklahoma. Okay, you went back through Oklahoma because sometimes they do give you a furlough. Sometimes they just say, "Hey, here's your bus ticket, and we'll see you at Leavenworth, and good luck." We'll give you twenty right. dollars to get there, but you had to go back yeah. through Oklahoma, which is always <laughs> there's nothing good about traveling as an inmate ever. I, I no, that's just not a good, definitely not happening. Unless you're on the furlough, shackled.
1: Unless you're on the furlough,
0: shackled up, shackled up, driving around is not the way to be driving.
1: Yeah, I hated it. Makes the most depressing points of transferring. Yeah,
0: no, it makes being shackled up. I think makes you feel like an animal. I mean, there's nothing more dehumanizing than being shackled at your waist and your ankles, and you can't move your ankles. Yeah, nothing good about that. Nothing good no, about not that. No, not at all. So, t- so walk me into Leavenworth, Ben. You get into Leavenworth. Uh, you're, you know, four and a half hours away from home now. How has how's the family structure held up to, so, to everything now that you're here in Leavenworth?
1: Um, You know, even before Leavenworth, my mom and um, my stepdad, they tried to make it down at least once a month, once a quarter, yeah. you know, depending on the weather and where I was at. So getting to Leavenworth was... Gonna make that a lot easier. Stepdad's an ex vet, so he always used to go to level anyway. Yeah. So them coming at me being four hours away just made them happier to be able to come see you know more frequently. You know, a um, few is... of my other cousins came and saw me
0: yeah. since I was close and stuff like that. That yeah. had to be good. Uh, and, oh yeah. And one thing I meant to ask you when you were going through all that because you said you adapted, you said you kind of worked your way into you know. Keeping a low profile was. What were your strategies on handling hard days and hard times when you when you knew you were in there for a while? What, how did you how did you grip on to what did you hold on to?
1: My daughter and your my daughter. mom. Yeah, money. the two most important things that kept me grounded and not crashing out. Mm-hmm. while I was locked up. Yeah, every time it was coming to a time for me to crash out, even I can go back to being at U.S.P. Leaf, transfers in, feeling good. I go outside, I gamble a guy on a handball court, and I beat him. And Danny, I want to pay. So now was from D.C., so I was, you know, hollering at his people. And my homeboys, you know, they was like, look, they called me nidian when I was locked up Nidia. Short Frank Nitty. so they were like, "Look, man, you just don't want to go home, do you?" And I'm like, "What? No, you need to pay his money." They're like, "Look, man, get off the rock, man! Don't worry about them stamps, mm-hmm. And I had to go back to the unit and make a phone call, you know, and talk to my people and phone and settle myself back down to get up off that rock. But yeah, mom's and daughter kept me grounded the oh, entire time.
0: That was your that was your main center. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. that's cool. All right. So Ben, you gotta walk me into this thing. You're walking yourself all the way through Leavenworth. And I, I ran into you at Leavenworth. Um, you left a year before I did. You actually worked at the at Fort Leavenworth Golf Course and I came in after you. And that was always a big deal, you know, to, to be able to get what they call community custody to get off our reservation and go somewhere, and it felt like a big deal because you felt like you were somewhat kind of in society for the day, and then at three thirty you went back to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you knew Drew and and Mike and all those guys there, and 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 yeah. uh, Harley the dog. But yeah, uh, I loved Harley the dog. I just found out Harley yeah, the dog died. Cool dog. He just died this <laughs> about two months ago. Um, oh yeah. Oh man. But Ben. You're, what, two? How close are you to the door when this gets? When you get hemmed up into this deal? I was two weeks out. Two weeks out. Okay, walk us through, because <laughs> we got to talk about this. <laughs> two
1: weeks out. Yeah, like you're saying, I'm working on a golf course. You know, everything is beautiful. I'm seeing society. I'm seeing humans. You know, I'm seeing women. And all the new cars, you know. And then I'm actually, you know, I like cutting grass and stuff like that. But Drew them had me, uh, they had me trimming the, the banks and stuff like that where the sand was at. So it was all right. It was pretty cool. But, you know, as long as we don't fast forward to that day, you know, I can't remember which hole it was, but there was a spot right on a corner and you can make a right, and it'll take you down, and you'll make another right until our driveway right there. Yeah. Whatever that line.
0: It was, was hole like number two.
1: Two, yeah, 2 or something like a two yeah. or seven, or something like that, yeah. So we spent a year and a there. half
0: on that golf course. You kind of, there's well, it was in a big square, but I think you're talking about hole number two, par oh, yeah, five.
1: You know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was nothing to see Skinner pulling through. So this day, I didn't think nothing of. it. I'm still out there cutting grass. I didn't see him. He's. I see him down the street. I of that, um, one of the guys that was out there working with, like, yo, compound out here, you know what I'm saying? Act like you're doing something or whatever. And they jumped out the car. I'm like, Robinson. I'm like, what? They're like, come here. I'm like, child, why don't you see him working, man? Like, mm-hmm. you came over right? here. This could have waited so I came back to the compound. So once I get over there to Scanner, he grabbed me like he was a police officer. And I was like, yo, hey, what's going on here? He was like, you know, come put your hands behind your back. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Why you come out with heard to do this? Now here comes civilians and everybody walking past, driving past, mm-hmm. looking. I'm like, this is insane. So they like, yeah, you know, you finna go to the hole. And I'm like, go to the hole for what? So I was thinking like, damn, did something from back in the day pop up and catch up to me? You know what I'm saying? Because I know they'll do mm-hmm. this type of stuff. Yeah, to catch
0: another charge, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I thought another charge had popped up. So, but you know, they put me in the back of the car. You know, how Skinner is—he joking and laughing and shit the whole time, like it was funny. So, once we get to the big house, we get to the big house. I see one, two, three, four other people. Four other people in there, and that's when I knew what it was about. And that's when I looked at four Skinner. Four inmates like, is what
0: you're saying.
1: Yeah, four yeah. of the inmates. Yeah. yeah. So, unless I saw the four of the inmates, and I was like, nah, y'all got the wrong person because I knew it was something about the K2 ring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, nah, There's a lot
0: of K2 see. going around in, in Leavenworth, for sure. People Definitely. walking around like so, zombies.
1: So, yeah, they somebody told them that I was getting it, bringing it, My somebody pulling up on me at the golf course, giving it to me, and I was bringing it back in. He did all of that because he taught him the salt charge or something. I don't even remember the dude's name. So now I'm in the hole. I really went tripping off of it because everybody was like, I'm like, I got two weeks. They can't do nothing to me. I ain't tripping. You know what I'm saying? I got two weeks to the door. They ain't catch me with nothing. I ain't caught up on nothing. So I'm cool.
0: Tell me about the hole.
1: Oh, uh, The hole up there was... was it was treacherous. It was, you know, because we was in the big house so it wasn't just us. Here. So we're dealing, I'm back into a, a my frame of dealing with people at USPs now when you talking through the door and stuff like that. So, I mean, food was terrible. It wasn't, you know, it's not the best, you know, I mean.
0: you have a window? Whole, Any windows?
1: Yeah, first of all, you know, the window was right at the, uh, right at the level of the grass. Okay. It had at hand level so my was at the bottom. But it was in, and, like, back where the facilities area was at. So, it, like, I couldn't see anybody or anything like mm. that. I used to see the birds. That was about it. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, the hole was – it was the hole, man. I, I never really experienced it, but I've experienced it to some degree, just being locked up here, here in St. Louis. Like, you deal with the low of the low if you get locked up in, uh, down in the justice center, you know. So, it was, it was typical to me, you know i had like never been in there my whole time being locked up so but after the
0: so what are you thinking 21st. you're being put in this hole uh you think you're two weeks out to go home and you and i'm, I, cool. and I'm sure they're not telling you anything
1: yeah he can't they yeah they couldn't they weren't saying anything to me at the time i'm at ease i'm cool like i'm um, at the time we couldn't it was hard to get a phone call through because they was trying to cycle us in and stuff like that. So I hadn't talked to anybody for about a week. So that's when I kinda like started getting a little nervous because I'm like, man, I know they gonna get nervous if they don't hear from me. So I started trying to get a letter out. Got a letter out and a phone call out. I'm still cool because I got like four five days left before they come tell me, hey, fuck your junk. And then when the release day came, it was a different story. So I woke up early, as always. I'm already knowing that they should be coming to get me about at the latest eight. <laughs> at the latest eight o'clock, and eight o'clock rolled past. Nine o'clock rolled past. I get the beating on the door, trying to talk to a lieutenant. Lieutenant finally come up because in in eight the, hole, they definitely didn't like the campus beating on the door. So I kicked it and kicked it and kicked it until somebody came up there. So finally come up there. And I'm like, hey man, what's going on? I'm supposed to get released today. What's like, what's going on? And he was like, oh, okay, well, let me go see what's going on. I'll be right back. And got him coming back out. They pulled me out the cell and took me down to, he took me down to his office. He was like, look, this, this was, and took me down to the office and Maya came in there, the warden. He was up in there. And, um, it was like, this is what it is. You're not getting released today. You know what I'm saying? you This stuff that's going on, it's a pending charge and all of this extra stuff. and Your family's outside. You know, we got it. I'm like, what, my family's here? they like, yeah, yeah. My mom, she down at the camp. They down at the camp bugging, scanning them. Like a few of the inmates, they knew who it was. They was there. There a couple of guys telling me, like, y'all remember seeing your mom there? Well, yeah, they were down there trying to figure out what's was going on the warden wasn't telling them anything. They were just like, the you old. Know, like nothing, nothing else. They didn't tell them anything. So it was like, it stressed me all the way out then. And once they took me into the office and told me I wasn't going to get released on a date that had been set for so long.
0: We're talking years, years.
1: Crushed, crushed not only me, but at the end of the day, like I say, when it came to that foundation, like my daughter was big in her. Mm-hmm. So like she knew that date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's been waiting on that date for so long, and when the date came, she went back down one of her spirals. When mm-hmm. I called home, I talked to my mom. They like, oh, I gotta have to calm her down and have to talk to her and let her know it's gonna be okay, and, and that sent me down the drain for real. Once I heard that, because I was like, nah, because it was it was it was like I lied to her, you know, mm-hmm. when I did.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I finally got to see. They let me see my mom on a video. Um, they let me do a video um visit with her. She was extremely upset. You know, she said, I'm, I'm disappointed in you. Know, I'm like, hold up, my. I'm like, look, i not be disappointed in this because you know, hey, I took one on a chin, just took one twenty on a ten. I say this one I ain't good for, mm-hmm. and that's when she looked at. That's when she relaxed. I told her, I'm like, no, I'm not good for this. And she was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go home. She's gonna start getting on the lawyer and. She got the right state representatives and stuff like that, and pushing the buck on her end, and that's Good for when I pushed it on.
2: Good for your mom. Yeah,
1: yeah. then they transferred us units while we were in the hole, so they sent us to another unit. And then from there, I can't remember the guy name from our adapter head guy.
0: Oh, um, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Klein or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't believe I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. He came to the, um, came and knocked
1: on my cell door. He was like, Robin, I'm like, what? He slipped a piece of paper through the door. He was like, I'm sorry, it's not on me. And I'm like, what you mean? I grabbed a piece of door and then I see that they stripped my time and denied me and everything. And I was like, oh, hell no. Next day I beat on the door. I need to get to the law library ASAP. And when I went to the law library, I just got to searching, you know, doing general searches of cases of people who lost their art that time, mm-hmm. and why did they lose it, and how did they lose it? Well, I'm seeing cases on the streets, but I was really more focused on cases from within on the inside, mm-hmm. and there was no case like mine. So I was like, nah, you, you dead wrong, so I got to read more into the case law and get my verbiage right and things of that nature, and then I put in one of our uh, what we used to call it, a pop-out, yeah. whatever it was. Word. But I sent it I sent it straight to Reason. I didn't send it down to Skinner then. I got like the pink one or the yellow. One. Sent it straight to Reason. Reason got back to the counselor that uh, used to work with Skinner. And he came up the next day, knocked on my door. He was like, Robinson. I'm like, what's going on, man? He like, none. He's like, I don't know what the hell you sent to Reason, but it worked. I'm like, for real? He like, yeah, it worked. So just hang tight. Like, You're in process. I'm like, all right, cool. So at that time, I was like extra 30 days in, so I'm back into that adapt mode, you know what I'm saying? Let me sit and chill for a minute. A few people can transfer that was coming from the camp.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was just, you know, just adapting, chilling, trying to, trying to keep my head above water, man, because it was, like I said, that was hard to How do you
0: kill your time in there those days? I mean, you're in there for three months in the hole. What are you doing in there? Got a lot to think about. Working out.
1: <laughs> Working out, sleeping, trying to keep some good batteries to listen to radio. Yeah. I used to listen to um, NPR a lot, definitely, especially when you get on to a lot of their regular talk shows. And yeah. then I used to listen to this guy, uh, probably heard of Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah, I used to listen to his shows all the time, too. So once I started catching on the shows, that's how I was really getting through my day. A lot of my shows would come on after 2 o'clock, so that's how I would get up in the morning, eat, you know what I'm saying, do my thing, work out, shower chill out for a minute lunch come in at the lunchtime work out again and then now i'm gonna start put the radio on and start listening to shows stuff like that to kind of get down to the night you know and writing and reading so mm. i got through the whole time
0: so you got through the whole when they just knock on the door and say hey robinson you're you're gonna get released
1: oh oh no no uh-uh after I can't even think of my counselor. I don't even know why I can only remember Scanner. His country <laughs> stuff. So, uh, uh, once my counselor came up there and told me that he was like, "Man, everything's good. Just sit tight. You, you gonna be all right." So, um, one of the other drug or death counselors came up there, and talked to me like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm like, "All right. I'm cool. I'm just trying to get my time back, you know, and things like that." So, just I just rolled it out, and uh, my mom kept they kept putting pressure on them. stay reps and stuff had sent a letter up there and called and talked to the warden. Somebody from region personally called the warden and told him what he was doing was wrong. And he better hope it don't come back on him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was trying to ground up a lawsuit against him and everything after they said all of that. And, you know, I just sat back and, you know, the days, it finally came. you know, I'm a, the day before, I'm sweating bullets again. You know what I mean? Because I don't know what can happen. And you know, they came and got me and took me to R and D. Finally, you know, and I got out.
0: Okay, so your parents are your mom and your your daughter are there that day.
1: No, nope, they didn't. They were so it shocked them so bad. I was. I told them don't come. They was like, no, we cool. We are not gonna come back up back there. Like I told you, they were talking to Skinner and yeah. Warden. So they
0: didn't know for sure if they would have made another trip up there, you might not get out. Yeah,
1: exactly. So they were like, I would like,
0: yeah. And not there's nothing worse, Aussie you know, there, and there's nothing of a worse feeling when, you, uh, when your family's there and they're turned away. I mean, I had it happen a couple of times on visits because somebody liked to jack around with the points. And yeah. uh, you know they, what? You can't do anything. You know, you just you, uh, Swanson thought it was a, a good time to tell yeah. my wow. kids and my wife, uh, and then he came in and told me I was hit, and I said, "Hit for what?" He said, "You, you yeah, said, so I just sent your family home." Yeah, I just sent your family. Yeah, home. he used to laugh and yeah, joke he loved all the time, it. Like the guy, guy was demented. So okay, so you got out, Dan. You get out after three months in the hole. And you were supposed to mm-hmm. get you were supposed to go home three months before this. After you got a ten year sentence, uh, mm-hmm. how how did you get home back to St. Louis?
1: I went on and got on the bus. Okay, I just went on and mellowed out. I mean, I really didn't want to get in the car anyway yeah. after the situation. I just I'm like I'm gonna take this
0: time to just soak it in and Decompress. get back to the crib. Yeah, you've been yeah. in a hole. So I just got on the bus. Tell yeah. me tell me what it was like riding and and then getting there, finally being getting home. More.
1: Oh uh, finally being home man was awesome you know I finally get down to the Greyhound station you know mm. <laughs> of course my mom was there you know and she broke down screamed, mm. baby family home and ran across the street you know and it was that was awesome you know it, it meant a lot to me, you mm. know and then they had some barbecue that I, I requested that she okay. cooked and okay. I rode home with them and went and ate and chilled until I had to go turn myself into the halfway house.
0: At the Dismas House.
1: Yeah, at the Dismas House. Yep.
0: There's nothing good about that place either. How long were you at the Not Dismas at House? You know, they shut that place down a few months ago. Oh, they did? Yeah. They, didn't get, they finally didn't get their federal contract. Oh, wow. Those uh, those yeah, are, I was those there. Are bad folks that are running that place.
1: Crazy. Yeah, I was there. I was physically there for what, three and a half mm-hmm. months? And yeah. then I went to home confinement. Yeah. yeah.
0: Dismas. Bad place.
1: Yeah, I wanted to get, get up out of there. Like, the counselor I had there, he wasn't would putting my work schedule in and yeah. stuff like that. I'm trying to leave out the door. I work all the way out of St. Peter's. They tell me I can't leave. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I had to go to another counselor. Yeah. He started letting me out.
0: So. What's crazy yeah, about okay. it, Ben, is that was supposed to be a place that's supposed to help you get back into society, and all they did was screw things up, and they would just Messed wanted to keep you right. in there, locked down. Right, oh, exactly. God. Nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> so tell me, what's going on now? What's going on now in your world? Because we were just talking before we got on here. I think you're doing some cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, now in my world, you know, Right now, full-time, I work at Habitat for Humanity. I'm the office manager here, so I am mainly run the building. On my own, you know, I created a building of royalties while I was incarcerated. You know, established stepped back in 2013, filed it as an LLC when I came home in 17, and just been rocking the boat with that, trying to do my thing in real estate. I sell hoodies and T-shirts and jackets and stuff for Pearl um, under the company name. What's I'm the company name public. so everybody knows it again? Billionaire royalties.
0: Billionaire royalties, everybody.
1: Yep. So, yeah, um, I'm a notary public now. Um, I do grassroots nonprofit work in Dutchtown. Um, this year will be our sixth annual back-to-school event for Marquette Community Day, MCD. So, you know, I'm doing that. I do a lot of volunteer work in Dutchtown. I represent a few boards Dutchtown, you know, definitely. And, yeah, that's what I got going on, man. A lot of good things.
0: I love it. So, how are things with your mom, your daughter? How's how's all that? Oh,
1: everything is, is, is wonderful. Actually, just got through talking to my mom really before I got on here. Actually, I'm gonna go see her in a minute. Actually, yeah, everything is lovely, man. She's good. She's healthy as, as, as to what it can be. You know, yeah. My daughter is
0: how old is, is she now? She's,
1: she's sixteen.
0: Sixteen. Wow. Yeah, 16, yeah. She's a blessing. She's good.
1: She's doing good in school. She's very intelligent, inspiring. She wants to do a lot of things in life as well. So, yeah, I mean, those relationships are still a lot tight.
0: I'm curious because you got into uh, some things that it's not easy when you get out. It's not easy to, to find work. It's not easy to find somebody that says, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity. How did that work for you? How, how did you get that? How did that happen?
1: And that happened from the when I told you I started working in education in Polak. Mm-hmm. So from being there and doing education, I ran into a good friend. And he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get this bachelor's degree while I'm in prison. He was like, no, let's go study this. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that and doing all that. And that's kind of like, you know, where it brought me at to when I came home, it was like, I'm not letting the the failing thing stop me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't let it block me. If the question came up on the application, I answered it. If it came up in the interview, I answered it and I explained it. And the first time that I had to do it, I got the job. And he actually was on the phone. He was like, hey, I'm going to call corporate and tell them to wave off of that. I need you on my team.
0: Man, I love that. So
1: I... You know what I love about
0: that, Ben, is is I love that you just stepped into it and, you you know, didn't try to lie about it or avoid it or anything. You stood out in front of it. And I think people, first of all, they're not used to that. And then when you tell them and, and, and they see who you are uh, and how you're being just brutally honest about what's going on and that you need the opportunity. But, man, th- that's a big deal that somebody took you in and said, hey, I want you. Cause it,
1: good job too. Yeah. I was a, um, a sales consultant at the tile shop designing top line bathrooms kitchens basements mm. all of it so yeah and like I say Bud was a good guy because once I explained it to him he was like hold on I'm gonna call corporate right now and he was called in front of me and told him hey, I got a guy I need him on my team I need y'all to waive all the legal stuff man that had to and make you feel did. good made me feel great man because I hadn't even I touched down in, what was I said September. I hadn't even been home like forty five days when I got
0: the job. It just had to make you feel too, like you had put to, you had put the work in too. You know, you you had behind the wall had actually put work in to be ready for an opportunity. You know, the thing about getting an opportunity is is you got to be ready for an opportunity. Someone a giving opportunity, mm-hmm. you are not ready for it and and you miss it. But you were ready. You were ready to jump at it, and he saw you as somebody that was. Somebody he needed, and that that's that's a big deal. Big yeah, deal,
1: definitely big, man. Yeah, I was I was super ecstatic, happy. I say the pay was definitely coming home. The pay was good. I mean, the pay was whatever you wanted it to be because yeah. it was 100 percent commission, yeah, plus base pay. So yeah. you a hustler like me, you know, so you didn't have time, you didn't have to worry about. I'm hitting that door. I'm designing yeah. for you. Whatever I need to do to get my check up, yeah. It was cool though.
0: Nothing like giving a guy that's in sports commission. It's like putting a scoreboard in front of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure. So Ben, I, I think it's cool, man. You've you made it. I mean, you made it all the way through, and you made I mean it, they made it really tough for you to get out, you know? Yeah, I mean and good and like Lord. I said,
1: man, um he had the paperwork put in. He was sending me the text Hmm. I was going to lose RDAF. I was going to go get shipped all the way Texas or I was going to end up staying in an extra like 18 to 24 months.
0: Oh my God. It'd be just if devastating. I don't, if I don't go to the La La Berry. Oh.
1: If I just sit there and. It land all would have happened. Mosey through it. Yeah. It would have all would have. Yeah. You yeah, got to stand up been. for yourself. And you yeah, got to yeah, actually know where to go
0: too. I mean, you went to the books and found what you were looking for. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's smart. Yeah. So out of all yeah. of this, I mean, first of all, is there anything I didn't ask you, Ben, that you wanted to share?
1: Oh, no, man. We went from young to now, <laughs> man. I think we took, we faces on everything, man. We tried it. What do you, what do you,
0: what do you think you'd part to the audience? You takeaways on everything where you're at now? how you feel about what life, is it, what? where you're what, at yeah. now, how you feel about life, your biggest takeaway from all this stuff that you've lived through?
1: My biggest takeaway is, you know, stay humble, stay grounded, you know what I'm saying, always have faith, man, and believe that, you know what I'm saying, you can be your best self, you know, and that doesn't mean it can be whichever way you want it to be. Like, you want to be the best thief, be the best thief. Mm-hmm. You want to be the best real estate agent? Be the best real estate agent. You know what I mean? So, And that comes with taking time of studying and re-innovating yourself always. In, you know what I'm saying? What Bruce Lee say, like water, yeah. you know? Be like water. So, and that's, that's one of my, my main things. I like that. I'm, I'm, I love to be like water.
0: I like, it too, that you, you know, you're the epicenter of getting you through everything was your daughter, your mom, and, and that calmed your soul and also kept you adapting and moving forward. Keep stepping, you know, just keep stepping. Don't give up. You had that and in front of definitely. you. That was your, you know, I always like to say that's your Zewan <laughs> you from Shawshank, you know. That, that was living in your head. I like
1: that. Yeah, yeah. He always told me that. It's like no matter what, you're going to get through it. You know what I'm
0: yeah. Well you went through a lot, man. You went through a lot. Yeah, cool definitely. stuff, Ben. I'm proud of you, man. You're doing cool stuff. You gotta Appreciate feel it, you got you gotta be feeling good. You're stepping oh, up yeah, through man. it.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'm at the point to where you know it's, it's it's assets now. So I'm I'm steady trying to build now, man. Yeah. Collaborate in any way that I can, definitely with the mission. Yeah.
0: I like it. All right, everybody. Boy,
1: what you doing? I like what you doing. Well, I,
0: I enjoy. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, Ben. Really, am. when I saw it, I was like, "Ah, oh, like, oh, man, hell yeah!" <laughs> up, man? Uh,
2: and, I, and I love
0: having this platform for everybody to be able to talk. And it's it's just, uh, I just think it's cool. And, and I think, you know, listen for people to be able to listen to, to what you went through in your life before, and then how you handled your prison, and then how you came out. I mean. There's nuggets of something in there for everybody. There really is. And you just got to keep stepping through it. Yeah. All right, Ben. Man, thank you so much. Everybody, Nightmare Success. If you haven't found the book you're looking for, there's one that I wrote.
2: It's called Nightmare Success. Everybody, thanks for listening today.